Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast with Chris Buda and Brett Hannon. Chris is a lawyer, pastor, and nonprofit executive, and Brett is a producer and business owner. This is part two of our series, following last week's discussion about how leaders are pursuers. And today, Chris discusses how leaders are communicators, and how he saw this principle play out in the producers and the casting directors of Family Feud. So August 2012, we go down to Family Feud to get the tape. They're very clear in the front end. Before we flew down, they told us this. When we got there, they told us this. They said, look, this is still not a guarantee you're going to be on the show. We bring in numerous families. What we're going to do is each morning, Steve Harvey's actually doing his, some of you guys listen to his radio broadcast. So he won't be here till I don't know, 11 o'clock. He goes, in the meantime, we're going to warm you up, but we're going to get you on the actual stage. And we're going to do kind of what we did at tryouts locally. We're going to get you up there. And we're going to see how you react to it. We're going to see how you look on camera. We're going to see. And again, like I said, leaders are pursuers. They pursued us. They think this is what they want. Then they're going to put us up there. And if it's not what they thought it would be, thank you for coming down. We paid for you to fly here. We paid for you in a hotel. And now we're going to pay for you to go home. But they're very clear on the fact that uh, there was no guarantee that you'd be on the show. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, again, Sometimes when I'm, I'm not in the Hollywood industry, I, I'm not a TV producer. I've done some radio, but haven't done a lot of things like that. You know, you always hear about the baloney and the, the bull stuff that goes on. And, and, and I'm looking at these people again. I mentioned by name, they were great leaders. I really appreciated them. Uh, and I thought, thank you for clarity. For me, the one thing that we talked about the other day where leaders are pursuers, the other thing leaders have to be are communicators. Now, I say that oftentimes, and when I say, Brett, I'm going to ask you a question. When I say leaders are communicators, what is that? what picture does that derive in your head? What do, what do you think of when I say leaders are communicators? A lot of non-leaders aren't clear, but yeah. good leaders are. Yeah, and I, I think you're honing in where I want to go, but I think a lot of people, gut reaction, when I say communicator, they think speaker. They think someone who's in front of a TV camera, the president or some a politician or a preacher or a priest or someone who speaks. I think sometimes we say communicate, we think oral communicators. And I think when I'm saying leaders are communicators, I don't want to scare people off who say, well, that's not me. I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm... No, it's communication takes on more than just being a, a public orator. And what I was learning from these guys, and again, being reinforced, many of these are leadership issues. That I think we innately know, as you said, people talking with each other. It's amazing to me at work how many people don't talk to each other. It's amazing to me in the family how many people don't talk to each other. Uh, we're around each other. We say things, but there's not a communication. There's not a connection. There's not a, hey, do you hear me? Uh, and that's the one thing I'm watching is going, again, Carlos and Sarah were our points of contact before we got to Atlanta. Hey, we'd love to have you. We're excited for you to be here. Here's how we're going to get you down here. Here's how we're going to do it. Realize you may never get taped. Realize you may. And the old trick, I don't know if you were taught this, but in counseling in particular, but I think it's just good in family stuff and, and, and even at work when you're having a conversation and you've had some trouble being understood before, saying, Brett, do you understand? And then you say, yes. And I'll say, what did I just tell you? Or can you repeat back? What, what is your understanding? But it's almost oh, like, say yeah. back to me what I just said, not in a demeaning way or condescending way, but it's like to make sure that extra layer of communication is, I just said that, you're shaking your head. And then I say, okay, well, tell me what you heard me say. That's another way in counseling. It's more than just to repeat back. It's like, tell me what you heard me say. Okay. There was, I'd show you, there's that TV show. It's, I think it's a Netflix show that somehow I got hooked on watching Great News, Good News. 
Tina Fey produced. Oh, remember I told yeah, you? Yeah, I can't yeah. remember what it is. Uh-huh. But there's an older woman in there. She's older than me, so I can say that. Older, who's like this intern at this news station. It's a silly comedy, but I, I just remember this one part so vividly. She's got a young intern telling her, okay, this is what you need to do. The boss likes this, a snack of this, is coffee, this. And she rips off like these 10 things real quickly. And she goes, do you understand? And the older woman nods her head and goes, yes. She goes, repeat it back to me. She goes, oh no, then no. Uh, but it's, you know, our, our gut reaction often is, yeah, yeah, I heard you. And when someone says, tell me what I said, you're like, okay, maybe I didn't hear. So that extra layer of communication of being clear, so many leaders, I think, fall short because they will dictate something, they will say something, but I'm not always sure they've communicated something. When I first started coaching high school football almost 30, 25 years ago, there was an older teacher who was a coach and had been there for years. Great offensive line coach, sent a lot of kids from school to, to the Ivy Leagues. Uh, but he heard me coaching one day, and I was probably you know, 29, 30 years old. And he came up to me, grabbed me by my shirt collar. He said, did you tell him or did you teach him? But he was, he was saying, it's one thing just to tell them and say it, but our job as a coach is to more than just say it, more than just dictate it, we're to teach them how to do it. And that's where I think the distinction has grown in my mind is we can say things at work. We can say things in the family. But did you say it or did you communicate it? And communication is a meeting of the minds. It's this idea that I have something I want to get tell you and that's let, let me make sure you're hearing it the way I'm doing it. Sometimes people say things and it's not understood. So anyway, we're getting, we get called to be down there. Literally, I'm pretty sure on the phone, Carlos or Sarah said to me, so you understand that once you come down here, once you have fun, you still may not get taped and be on the show. I said, yes, I understand. But I thought that was just very sharp. And I just really appreciated that lesson. We get down there. We sit through a whole day of taping. There's probably 400 people in the audience. Uh, we did our practice rounds in the morning, which was just scary as heck, man. It's just crazy. <laughs> being on and, and Steve Harvey wasn't even there yet, but it was just, it was scary. And then they bring in the studio audience, and they start taping, and then the reigning champs are called in. So you know who's up. And then they come in, they say, okay, Hammond family, Buddha family, Smith family, you're up. We waited all day to get the call. We never got the call. So we saw them tape probably five or six shows, which in of itself was a treat. If we never got on the show, it would have been worth it just watching them tape and being yeah. in the studio and watching Steve Harvey do their thing. A little aside, I think one of the reasons the Family Feud has bounced through the roof of their ratings is they let Steve Harvey be Steve Harvey. Another leadership lesson for another day. But there's no script. He just goes on. And he he baits people to say something. So when we, I'll tell you later about when we started talking, when we finally got on the show, that he just wants you to say something that he can take and run with. And then he just does a stand-up comedy routine. And then they just, they'll cut it later if they have to. And they'll trim it down to 22 and a half minutes or whatever they have for the half-hour show. Uh, but we're just sitting there watching. We're just enjoying the time and, and checking things out. So we get through the day, and I'm starting to think, Kind of disappointing because, you know, I understood we're not going to be on the show or we may not, but I'm competitive. And part of me is like, dang it. I They were clear and professional, communicated clearly, leadership lesson. But I still want to be on the show now because I'm here. It's like, oh, come on, man. I didn't make the cut. And uh, they, they say, hey, this is the last show. They, they picked the last family and it's not us. So I'm thinking, all right, well, it was fun while it lasted. They call us into the holding area which was a bunch of tables set up and each family there's food in there and each family had their table and part of the fun thing too of this was we started talking to some of the other families during breaks like that who weren't on the on stage and so you just live in life and meeting different people and I remember one guy came up to me because during tryouts they said tell me about yourself I said I'm a lawyer and a pastor strange mix and then he said the same thing he and he came up to me at breaks are you really a pastor I said yeah he goes 
Oh, he goes, I got my thing online. I'm Muslim. He goes, but I did my sister's wedding. It was in international waters on a cruise ship. So I needed my pay. But it was, he was a cool guy. It was a fun conversation. But we're all talking. I think I was actually talking to him. There's a family who the, they were all MMA fighters. They were all flyweights. They were all like 120 pounds. And they took to my guys real quickly, like, you boys wrestle, they were Southerners. You boys, I can tell you wrestle. I'm like, I can tell you guys do too. <laughs> <laughs> they all the cauliflower here. But we're having, yeah. we're back there having fun So and over lunch break. But now this is the end of the day. So the people that haven't been on the show, it's kind of the walk of shame. We're going back in there. We were the ones not picked. And uh, two or three of the producers came in. Bryce was uh, the, the in charge of this part of the show. And he said, hey, Buddha family, he goes, can I ask you guys to take a seat at your table? He goes, we need everyone to grab a seat at the table and we're going to talk to you. And so we get sat down and I can hear him at table down. He's, he's lowered his voice, but he's saying, hey, Hammond family, we're really grateful for you guys being here. Thanks for coming down and taking time to be with us. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to use you this year. And, you know, we're going to get you back to the hotel and hopefully make your plane on time. And we want to give our gratitude. Very positive, very kind, but very clear. Okay, time to go. Uh, and I thought, I'm just listening on What a great way to communicate. Uh, and so I'm looking at my guys, and I'm always the dad and always the coach. I'm like, hey, make sure when he gets here, you stand up, shake his hand, and say thank you for the opportunity and be kind. So he gets – Bryce does this for a couple of tables. And, again, he just a really neat young man and the way he handled himself. Uh, and I'm listening to the conversation, and most of the people were grateful. There's one table from Connecticut. Yeah, you New Englanders, New <laughs> the big suburb of New York, who were kind of like – cranky about it like well how come we didn't get picked they wanted like to know i think they were lawyers uh <laughs> that's like <laughs> because we didn't pick you that's all we need to tell you but even then when he kind of got pushed in that way he was very clear saying oh well yep this is we have a certain thing in mind we have a few people that fit few families that fit that paradigm we went with someone else again he didn't hesitate bryce didn't hesitate to give him a uh, direct answer and communicate clearly i'm thinking dude this is a, a young producer on a tv show he knows how to lead he knows how to communicate so he comes, does my guys stand up from the table and he goes, sort of, am I a general in the army? And he goes, he goes at ease boys. He goes, sit down. And I, so I he's being the big mouth. I'm like, Hey Bryce, thank you for having us. And he goes, where are you going? I said, isn't this the pink slip time? Are, are we getting our, are we getting shipped out? He goes, no, dude, you guys are awesome. He goes, we, we want you on the show. He goes, we didn't fit in today. He goes, go back to the hotel. He goes, I'll give you a call. He goes, I want to make some adjustments. And then, well, uh, but we really want you to be on the show. So get some rest, be ready for tomorrow morning. Again, my guys are excited as all get out. I'm thinking, what's he going to call me for? So literally, we get back to the hotel. The boys are in the pool. We're in Atlanta. They're in the pool. We're eating pizza. Phone call. And Bryce is like, okay, Chris, we really love you guys and really think you're going to be great on the show. Here's what we need you to do. And it was a matter of moving. I had this chronological order with me, then Andrew, JT, Mark, and Trevor. So Trevor's like a sophomore in high school on the far end away from daddy. They're like, we're uncomfortable having the 15-year-old who can't even drive that far away from you. And again, they were taking a chance on us having just students up there. It was like student jeopardy. So they're all kids. He goes, we're going to move Trevor next to you and then shift everyone down. He goes, and uh, I think that'll just make, I think Gabby, the head producer, just more comfortable because she loves you guys, but we understand we're pushing the envelope with the kids. Uh Again, I'm down there for kicks and giggles. Now we're down there to have some fun and maybe we get to be on TV. But I'm learning so much about communication. Bryce, Sarah, Carlos, I don't know if they'll ever hear this this broadcast. But I, I would love to just thank them for what I learned from them. And they were all fairly young, when I say kids, they were young men and women. But they handled their stuff so well. Man, if we as leaders could communicate like that, 
make sure that we're not just saying things, but that we're communicating things. Not sure we're just telling them like Coach Joe used to tell me, but that we're teaching them. Make sure we're not just pontificating, but we're communicating. If we do that, that's a great step forward in our leadership. Thanks so much for listening. Next week in part three, Chris will discuss how leaders never lose sight of the finish line. This podcast is recorded and produced by me, Brett Hammond, at www.bhammond.com.